Good morning, everyone. You awake? Um, when it turned out that this was the Sunday that was available for me to speak, I had a choice to say no, it's my birthday, or I had a choice to respond to the call of God and actually walk out what he called me to do, to walk in my destiny. I'm going to talk to you this morning about identity, and I'm going to suggest to you that we cannot truly know our destiny until we first know our identity. And you know, the, 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 there's such a struggle in the world, uh, especially in the work I do. I see people hurt and confused and, and responsive to everything else that life tells them there are, but they don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know who they are. They don't know innately how valuable, how precious, how worthy they are. They don't know that there is a blueprint on their life that no one else can fulfill, no one else, that you're so unique that no one else can do what God put you on the earth to do. Isn't that mind-blowing stuff? No one else can do what God put you on the earth to do. But I tell you, church, unless you know who you are in Christ, you can never be that salt in life, that, that effective testimony of who God is. And so, uh, oh, God wants you to be, or created you to be. So my hope this morning is that you're going to get a hold of the truth of God in a new way. And this may be ABC for some of you. You may already know who you are in Christ. I'm not talking to you this morning. I'm talking to those who don't know who they are. I'm talking to you, those who are bl blind and limited by family systems and thinking patterns and, 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 and lineages of depression and anxiety and fear and hopelessness and despair and, and timidity and deceit and all types of things that have corrupted you, that have stopped you from being the expression that God wants you to be in the earth. So if you're that person, uh, I was praying this morning and so rich in me all week as God was reminding me again of who I am in him. One of the things, one of the words we sang, no, no, no uh, scheme of man, no power of hell can ever stop me from God's plan. That just came alive in me this morning. This came alive in me all week. I woke up with the echo of God in my heart saying, you were called to lead and influence. You were called to lead and influence. And church, I had to repent this week because I'd allowed the plan of man and the scheme of hell to stop me from leading, to stop me from influencing. And I just, just declare to you in the spirit today that I'm no longer hiding in obscurity. I'm no longer bowing to the scheme of man or the plan of hell. God's called me. He anointed me. I was driving with some friends yesterday, and they said, did you ever think that when you were a girl in Africa that you would be here? That you would be here in, in North America preaching and teaching the word of God? And I, and I looked at them, and I thought, wow, I never ever, even when I was stuck in this little house, there were 12 of us in this three-bedroom house with a mango tree outside it, I never ever thought for one moment that my life was limited and that I was not going to make a difference in the world. I never thought for one minute that I was going to get up every single year of my life and look at that same mango tree and just be happy going through the motions of life. I knew that God had birthed me and brought me into the kingdom for something bigger than I. And that has not let me go. doesn't matter. Even when I was hidden, God didn't let that go for me. So... I want you to stand with me today. I want your hearts to be filled with expectancy. Please stand. I'm going to be praying a prayer of faith over you to receive the word. I can tell you now, if you settle this issue of identity, your struggle is over. Amen. Jacob had to settle the issue of his identity. He thought he was a, a trickster. He thought he was a usurper. And God said, no, that's not who you are. You are the father of Israel. You are the father of Israel. And he wrestled with God until his hip was dislodged, that he was no longer walking after his natural person, his natural man. He was now walking after the intent and the purpose of heaven. So it's important this morning that in the spirit, we begin to shatter strongholds over our thinking because it's important that the word is able to penetrate take root inside of you and then begin to flourish 
so that you can grow in that truth. All right? So uh, you, you just lock your hearts in. If you're here with your husband or wife, your family, lock hands with them. The, part, the Bible says when two or three believe on anything, it shall be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, and through the finished work of the cross, I release an anointing over your people to hear the word of God in truth, in spirit and in truth. I bind everything that resists the truth from coming into their lives right now. I thank you that your word says that the entrance of the word brings light. I thank you that your word says that the, that the word of God is like a hammer. I ask that you shatter every stronghold in their thinking, every stronghold in their self-perception, their self-concept, and their self-worth now in the name of Jesus. I pray right now for an inrushing of the Holy Spirit. I thank you that the words of your word will be enlightened in their heart, that they would be carriers of this light, their capacity will be increased so that they can contain and retain the truth this morning. I bless them now to prosper in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo! You can sit down. I got a breakfast smoothie this morning, and I told my dear friends, I said, you know what, I'm so full with the Word of God that I didn't even need that. I'm still feeling, feeling full just from eating and, and meditating on the truth of God's word. I want to encourage you, if anyone needs this PowerPoint, it's yours. You can go back and check every scripture reference to make sure that we're not deceived. And it's very important because, uh, as, as our, one of the leaders here this morning mentioned, that it's important for us not to be deceived. And for me, it's important that I speak in alignment with God's truth because I fear God, right? And so uh, go back. If you want this, uh, it's... It, Sign up anywhere. I'll get you email. I'll send you a copy of this. All righty. Moving right along. At the screen. There you go. I'm getting better at this. Identity informs destiny. People are looking for purpose. They don't have purpose. And you know, without purpose, life is meaningless, really. You wake up every single day not knowing who you are and what you're about and what you're called to do. What we don't know harms us. Though we are spiritually positioned and free in Christ, we continue to live as if we are slaves to sin. Negative, negative thoughts, guilt, and bondage. How many of you struggle with this? I, I, I already confessed, I struggle with it this week. And so we are spiritually free, we're positionally free, but we still are influenced by, this, uh, uh, by the sin and the guilt and negative thoughts. Bible says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Galatians says, so stand strong in the freedom. And I want to encourage you this morning, stand strong in the freedom of God and what he's championed and what he's redeemed about your life and bought you out of corrupt family systems to give you a new identity in him. All right? I'm going to encourage you to stand free in that. So, so this morning, I'm going to keep teaching and preaching and exhorting you. And just forgive me if I get a little bit intense. Because I know, I know if the enemy can corrupt your, dest your identity, he can sabotage your, de uh, your destiny. I know that. And so it's so important for me. I'm, I feel the zeal of God and I feel the, the jealousy of God over your destiny and your identity this morning. All right. <laughs> Understanding your identity in Christ is absolutely essential. It's essential. Everyone say essential. Yes. To successful Christian living. We have so many people in the kingdom that don't know how to live successful Christian lives. And I'm going to suggest to you it's because we don't know our identity in Christ. I love this. I found this image on Google, by the way. You need to know whose you are and who you are. Now that word, look at what it says there. It talks about God image. The imago Deo means God's image, shadow or likeness of God. You're a snapshot, a facsimile of God. At, least, at the very least, this means humans occupy a higher place in the created order because we alone are imprinted with God-like characteristics. 
That's pretty powerful stuff. I'm going to go through this quickly because I've got 26 slides. I know we've got communion and all kinds of stuff, but you're going to allow me to drill down in some places. Identity is achieved. How many of you think that's a kind of strange concept? But it is. Identity is achieved. It doesn't just happen. And we look at the Lord says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. If you continue to read the scripture, it talks about having dominion. Now that Greek word ergo or egon means to work at achieving. And so God gave us dominion, but we have to work at achieving and dominating the earth. So part of our identity in Christ is about achieving it. It's about working towards the goal, this Christ-like image through the sanctification process because that's what it's all about, right? That when I see him, I will be like him. But in the process, I am becoming more like him every day. And so that is a bit of an achievement. Now look at this. God chose us and he wanted us. Tell your neighbor this. God chose you and he wanted you. The, the most powerful thing about this is he chose you before you were even born, before the foundation of the earth. Now, sit with that for a minute. It's so important, and I taught in this church about how, how to receive the word of God. How do you receive the word? Like when you hear something like that, he chose me and he wanted me, and you're just like, yeah, he chose me and he wanted me. And it goes over your head and not into your spirit and not into your soul, and then you live a powerless life. You have to, by faith, catch this truth and hold on to it as if your life depended on it. So that when the enemy comes to you and tells you that you're insignificant and you don't matter and that you're a loser and your whole family was a bunch of losers and now you're a, bunch of, now you're a loser, if you don't take this word by faith, that he chose you and he wanted you, your life will always be swaying like this. The Bible says that you are a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. One day you believe God, one day you believe the flesh, one day you believe your family, one day you believe your boss, one day you believe the, the, your wife when you're angry and fighting and she says mean things to you. How are you going to hold on to that? That's my, not my job to do. My job's to empower you. Your job's to take hold of it and run this race that's set before you. All right, look at this. Psalm says that he made every delicate part. Now, I'm just laying the foundation here. I want us all to get on the same page. Some of us may know this, some of us may not know this. Every delicate part, if you go on to read Psalm 139, you'll just see how intentional God was about about bringing you to pass. But I want to look at 16. It says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Wow. Wow. You saw me before I was even born. Now think about some of us in this room may have heard that message, you were a mistake. You were a mistake. I didn't plan on having you. Think about that and think about what God's saying here, that I saw you before you were born. Every day of your life was recorded in, in my book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. This is where, church, you have to learn how to allow the truth of God's word to displace the lie in you. If you keep allowing the volume of the lie to be bigger in your mind, then the lie will dominate, dominate your life. You have to let the truth of God's word rise up inside of you. The volume of truth has to be turned up inside of you. So the, because the Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If the volume of truth is not dialed up, in you, then you will always be subservient to the lie. 
Those are some powerful things I'm going to be saying to you this morning. And you can just say, oh, that's Abby. Or you can say, God, this is you speaking to me because you're calling me to change, to become intimately acquainted with this person that you created with such intention and such detail and such specificity in my life. And I want to be that person responding to that truth. Charles Dickens says this. This, when I found this, it just kind of rattled me for a whole day. Look how powerful this is. The whole difference between construction and creation is exactly this, that a thing constructed can only be loved after it's constructed, but a thing created is loved before it exists. Marie, you do beautiful gardens, and we all go there after she's planted it and say, beautiful. She's constructed it, and then we see the beauty. We can only appreciate it after it exists. But he says here, but a thing created, and we already established that in Psalms 139, a thing created is loved before it even exists. Wow. Like, I just want to... I just want to put on worship music and just sit and soak in that truth for a while. I want to get marinated in that. You see, church, if you don't love the truth, and I'm not talking about giving mental assent to the truth. I'm talking about if you don't love the truth, if you don't cherish it as something so precious, as you just look at it as an opportunity to shake off some heaviness and move forward, if you don't fall in love with the truth, and for us as believers, we know that the truth is a person of Jesus because he says, I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. You have to cultivate this passion and this love for the truth. Because it's this intimate knowledge of the truth that brings freedom to you. It's not a fleeting knowledge of the truth. It's not a fleeting knowledge. And, you know, I've talked to you about this before. But the women with the issue of blood, how many of you know that story? They all heard that Jesus was the Messiah. They all knew that he had healed people. The Bible says people were thronging him all over, just bumping into Jesus accidentally. But here's a woman who was, she was bound by the issue of blood for 10 years. She was bleeding for 10 years. She was so weak that the Bible says she touched the hem of his garden, so, uh, garment. So some historians say that they believe that she was actually on her hands and knees crawling through the crowd. But she said, if I can just touch him, I will be made whole. And the Bible said when, when she touched Jesus, Jesus stopped. Can you imagine? The busy streets people thronging him left, right, and center, and he stops, and he says, someone touched me because virtue has left me. There's something about us when we are intentional about connecting with the life in Jesus. There's something about us, when, when, something about it when we're intentional about tapping into the grace of God, into accessing his life and accessing his truth. And you can be a believer that can come to church and you can bump into Jesus accidentally. You can bump into Jesus in worship. You can bump into Jesus in the prayer time. But there's a difference when you touch him intentionally because the Bible says virtue, power, dunamis flows out of him and instantly she's made whole. Whew. I'm just going to have a party by myself. <laughs> there's just something about that. Now, here's the, here's the combination of the formula and how we move through identity. And I know that's a little bit small, but I was wanting to have a little bit of effect there. Truth about identity. I am completing Christ. Now, I have a set of worksheets ready for you. Do we get that printed? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll give that to you at the end. I think there's about two pages of identity pieces of who I am in Christ that I would like for you each to take home at the end of the service so that you can really focus on getting that integrated into your life and your, your identity. 
I'm complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I'm alive in Christ, Ephesians 2.5. I'm free from the law of sin and death. Everyone say free. free. Are you free? Okay, yes. everybody say, I'm free from the law of sin and death. Mm-hmm. I'm born of God and the evil one does not touch me. 1 John 5.18, I'm holy and without blame before him in love. Ephesians 1 and 4 and Peter 1.16. Now look at this. Identity mixed with faith and meditation on this truth results in behavior pleasing to God, a healthy sense of self, confidence, and boldness. It testifies of sonship and freedom. Now, you can understand that this is such a massive topic. When Pastor Jesse asked me to speak on identity, I just like, God, I've, I've taught Catalyst, and what do I bring together? How do I bring these different tributaries together in a unique way that will be able to bless your body? And, and I really felt that this is the direction he took me in. Now, performance-based worth is a lie. The Bible says we've been saved by grace, not by any of our works, right? Now, that scripture is different from James when it says, but faith without works is dead. That means you just can't keep saying, I believe in Jesus. I believe God loves me. I believe God wants me to be a friend of sinners and help them. And you sit in your home every day reading your Bible 24-7 and touch no one. That's faith without works. That's when you have an opportunity and you're sitting and you have tons of idle time and we have pregnancy centers and we have soup kitchens and we have all types of outlets in our communities where you can, be, where you can add your strength and bring light to those arenas and you keep sitting there reading the word of God and being of no effect. That's what he means when faith without works is dead, right? So he said we, we can't just be sitting in our churches Believing that we're part of a big country club. We come in, we have our dinners, we do our thing, we have our free coffee, we dance, we laugh, we have movies and popcorn and entertainment, and we become ingrown and self-consumed. That's not God, what God wants for us to live, right? He wants us to, to realize that this is not about performance base. It's about being. All right? He doesn't want you to work for your salvation, but he wants you to be the light, and he wants you to be the salt. And he wants you to be that light set on a hill, not hidden under a bush. There's a difference between being and performing. Hello? You know, the most, the most refreshing thing for me is when I walk into a, a, situ a room, whether it's secular or Christian, and people come up to me and they say, Abby, there's just something about you. I met someone at the conference this week, and this woman came up to me, and she says, I want you to know that you're a woman of great authority. There's, I've never met her in my life. I probably won't meet her again. But there's something about being who God wants you to be. Be the salt. Be the light. I've told you this before. When I walk into a room that's full of darkness, I expect darkness to give way to the light in me. Amen. I don't beg with it. I don't plead with it. I don't, uh, you know, I, 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 just, I just expect it. I expect that light produces and darkness vanishes. I, express that, I expect that the increase of the kingdom comes into a room because I walk into it. Am I the theologically sound? Because the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Feeling like you have to do more in order to, for God to be blessed with you and love you more is a lie. It's a lie. I can tell you now, if you do nothing more with your life except to ask Jesus to come into you and transform you and to forgive you, he's okay with that. He loves you anyway. The fulfillment of your destiny is about you feeling fulfilled and feeling like you are connected to God's divine purpose. Security and significance comes from who I am in Christ and not from what I do. 
If you don't get this in you, you're always going uh, to be struggling in your faith. Security and significant comes, significance comes from who I am in Christ and not from what I do. If you feel compelled to do things and to serve because you feel guilty, because you can't do it, then I tell you that's a lie. It's from deception, and it's about causing you to feel like you're working for your salvation. It saddens me when I see Christians live their lives that way. See, as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, we don't have to do anything. We get to do it. I don't have to be a part of my family. I get to be a part of my family. And the wonderful thing about that getting is this morning, I can't even tell you how many emails and, and, and well wishes and WhatsApp prof- prophetic words over me coming in from my sisters and my family and my brothers. I get to be a part of them. I get to be. I don't have to. And so if you don't allow God to shift that way of thinking in you, and yes, I said shift because you have. You have to change from death to life. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Otherwise, you're going to stay stuck in your ruts, living unfulfilled lives until you die. And that's not God's highest and best plan for you. How we view ourselves influences how we live. Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks, so is he. Our beliefs about self produce thoughts about self. And thoughts about self produce behavior. I think I'm a loser. I feel like a loser. I act like a loser. I feel like a king. I think like a king, I feel like a king, I act like a king. I think like a disciple, I feel like a disciple. Disciple, I'm a disciplined one. I live a disciplined and meaningful life. As a man thinks, so is he. Now, if you think I'm a loser, I'm a failure, I'm a fake, I'm full of shame, I'm worthless, I never amount to anything, I'm hopeless, why bother? Look at the results of that. Shame, guilt, depression, confusion, chaos, anxiety, fear, hypervigilance, lack of rest, everything that contradicts God's plan for you, everything that contradicts God's will for you. Reactive, inability to self-regulate, no self-control. This is a big thing in the Church of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we are to have self-control. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. If we're not self-regulating, that means that there's something faulty in our thinking. Fruit just doesn't happen on a tree, church. How many gardeners here? I'm not too much of a gardener, but I'm a little bit educated. You know, you have to till the ground. You have to put manure and fertilize it. You have to prune the trees at the right time so that they produce more fruit. You have to be intentional. Fruit doesn't just come. They don't just show up. The ability to self-regulate, having the fruit of the Spirit, comes from you knowing who you are in Christ. This may be a clue for some of us who've been in the church for a long time and wondering why we don't see the fruit we're looking for in our lives. Transformation of the mind results in an accurate self-image. Romans 12, 1 to 2 says we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. See, transform, trans-Canada, trans-Atlantic, that trans word is about crossing over from one way of thinking to a new way of thinking, to God's way of thinking. It's amazing the fight it is to get people to cross over from their way of thinking to God's way of thinking. Because I tell you what, the lie is you've trained yourself your whole life to believe that what you're feeling is true. Tell your neighbor feelings lie to you. You guys are so, you're so timid Canadians this morning. Can we just be a little bit more engaged? Can we just, can we just try to just, just, just for my sake this morning? No, think about it. Your feelings lie to you. And if you, 
tell them your f my feelings lie to me. Yeah, my feelings lie to me. Does the Bible says that you to be led by your feelings? Hello? What are we to be led by? But how many of you are led by your feelings every day? Okay, so there needs to be some transformation happening, right? All right, we're gonna t I'm going to teach you how to do that this morning. It's pretty good stuff. This is a mass counseling session right here. For free. I, you know, it's everything I want to do every single day of my life is to empower people to be free. Here we go. And, and Romans says, don't think too highly of yourself than you ought to. That means we're not to be proud. Don't ever, ever confuse my confidence in the power of God in my life as proud. Don't ever think that. I walk humbly before God. I know how to repent. I know how to make things right in my relationships. I know how to honor my husband. He says, hi, by the way, he's in, in Kelowna right now. He sends me a message. Uh, he went to a 9 o'clock service there, and he says, Abby, guess what they're teaching on this morning? Identity. Psalm 139. I guess we're tracking here in, in, uh, at the junction, right? Romans 12 says, don't think too highly of self and don't think too lowly of self. Think accurately about self. That is what we should be after, an accurate self-image. Neil Anderson says this, people cannot consistently behave in ways that are inconsistent with the way they perceive themselves. Now think about the, the, the 12 spies that went to Canaan. Ten of them saw themselves as grasshoppers. And grasshoppers don't eat grapes. They can't eat the big grapes. You have to see who you are in Christ. Two of them said, we can take this. There are giants in the land. We're not going to be ignorant of that fact. But we know who we are in God. We saw him as fire by day and cloud by night. A cloud by day and fire by night. We saw him bring water out of a rock. We saw him give us quail that we didn't even have enough to keep leftovers. We just, we saw his provision. Our shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. Our clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. We know he is able. We are well able. Let's go take Canaan. Amen. Now you don't, you can't do that. You can't have that authority in the spirit if you see yourself as a grasshopper. People cannot consistently behave in ways that are inconsistent with the way they perceive themselves. If you perceive yourself as small, you will always behave small. But if you see yourself as mighty, you will always do great things for God. And I live my life with the tail of the, the ant on the back of the elephant that crosses the bridge and the, and the ant says to the elephant, didn't we rock that bridge? <laughs> That's how I feel like I'm, at. I'm on the back of God. And even though I'm as, not as big as him, I'm like, didn't we rock that bridge, right? You need to have an accurate view of who you are. Whew. If you don't engage the truth, we reinforce the lie. If you don't engage the truth, you reinforce the lie. The enemy is so not okay. He's okay if you hear the truth and don't obey it. He's okay with you hearing the truth and not engaging it. People go to church all over the world. He, he doesn't stop them from going to church. He stops them from engaging with the truth. Oh, church, I'm going to just like... Worship team, come up. I'm just going to lie here. Just let my spirit just keep becoming big in me. Because you can only live big in God when these things, when the lies are displaced in you and you begin to engage the truth. God wants us to see ourselves as he does. His view of us is the most accurate view. He is the truth. Not your husband, not your father, not your mother, not your school teacher. Not your grandmother, not your uncle, not anyone who has ever had any say on your life and diminished your, work, your life in any way has the power and authority to influence your destiny. 
God wants us to see ourselves as he does because he is our truth. Outside of Christ, we are dead in sin. We are separate from God. We are under Satan's influence. We are objects of wrath. We are lost, broken, confused, and chaotic. Woo! That word chaotic has been coming up quite a bit over, over, with us in the last few days. Because we look at chaos in our lives and we fear it. But God brings order and beginnings out of chaos. So don't fear it. Even this morning, I know I'm jumbling you up and I'm messing with you. And it's intentional. And you may be angry with me and upset with me and saying, Abby, you're getting too near to that hot button. It's okay. I'm okay with that. I told you my calling is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Amen. When I get to heaven, I want to say, yes, God. They were, they, 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 there were some mindsets that we had to confront together. It was tough looking at that junction crowd, but man, did we break through that Sunday morning. Amen. I'm okay with that. I'm okay when people uh, uh, say all men are of evil against me for his name's sake. I'm so cool with that. I'd rather be at peace with God, being obedient to him, than be responding uh, in fear to man. All right, moving right along. In Christ, you are wanted. Even before he made the world, we established that. You were created and he loved you before he created you. The Greek word there, eglekomai, is to pick out, choose, to pick and choose for oneself. For the sake of time, I'm going to be moving through this a little bit quickly. You are welcomed. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity, look how powerful this is, as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Now look at, he says, you are priests and kings. And we know in the Old Testament that the only person that had access into the holy place of God was priests. Right? They, they were the only ones. They had to do a very strict ritual of covering themselves with blood from a lamb that was out without spot or wrinkle or blemish. It is, it is speculated by historians that they even had to send the priests in with a rope around their ankle because if there was unconfessed sin in their lives, they would die in the holy presence of God. And nobody else could go in there, so they had to pull the priests out. Can you imagine? But when he redeemed us, he bought that part of our identity. He gave us access to him. That's why in Hebrews, sometimes when you hear me pray, I'm so excited to pray because I realize that I'm a priest and I have access into the throne of God. I don't have to go through an elder or a pastor or a, a, I don't know, what else. I, I have access to the presence of God because I'm a priest. Amen. And you're a priest. And you don't have to tremble and you don't have to fear. If you're walking in the fear of God and you've asked him for his forgiveness, you have access into his very holy presence. And the Bible says, and once you get there, he's got mercy and he's got grace waiting for you to help you with whatever you need. Woo! All right, we are pure. We're accepted. We belong. The biggest tra tragedy that this, this generation is, is facing is that inability to find a sense of belonging. They don't belong. And so they'll do whatever. They'll compromise who they are to fit in. And those are all scripture verses there. Unconditional love. We, talk, we sang about that this morning. So powerful. What can separate me from God's love? Nothing. No height, no depth. No, neither any created thing can separate me from the love of God. You know what can separate you from the love of God? Yes. You. You are a barrier from God's love if you keep believing the lies about who you are. You can't accept it 
because you see yourself as unlovable and unworthy. You become a barrier to that truth. So that's where you just stand and just say, Father, forgive me for believing a lie. Today I choose to receive your love. I choose to grab a hold of what you say about me. Oh, so good. Number five, we're uncomfortable. That's part of being in our identity. <laughs> yeah, this is so cool when this came to me. We're all uncomfortable. He says, we, I warn you, we're just temporary re residents here on earth. Yeah. We're spiritual beings having a natural temporal experience on earth. He says that. Keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. Be careful to live properly amongst your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. This is about character. This is about wa us walking in integrity in our communities, doing the right thing, right? And they will give honor to God. Expect discomfort. Expect difficult times. This is not your home. That's new. That was new for me. It was like, wow, yeah, that's true. So I don't fit in. Why am I trying so hard to fit in? We're called to stand out. He says we were peculiar people. What's the definition of peculiar people? Yeah. Now, I'm not really talking about standing on your head and clapping your feet in the air and doing crazy stuff. I'm just saying be okay. Be okay that you don't fit in. All right, now, look how this all ties in with what Maslow talks about. Physiological needs, God provides safety. You know, God's our provider. We have a, a place of belonging. He tells us we're now accepted in the beloved. Esteem, out of that place, our esteem grows. We think, wow, we can conquer that giant. Give us that fortified city. And then we actually become who we're meant to be in the world. People fear science, they fear psychology, I have no clue why. Because if greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, then the truth that is in me trumps everything. Yeah. I've sat with very, very educated people, con confused and talking about a whole bunch of things, and when I speak, it, it, the wisdom of the Lord comes and it just settles it. I don't fear going into those arenas because God has given us that authority and that power to walk into those places just like he did with Daniel and Shadrach and Abednego. They were very educated, excellent men in Babylon and everyone knew that they were of a different spirit. They knew. They were self-actualizing in their time, in their world, walking in the truth and the power of who they are. All right. What time do I have? Stop it. <laughs> okay. All right. This is just, I have to get this to you. But I can also give you this. So this, this is, we, we made up of spirit, soul, and body. I love how I did the star thing because it touches the soul and the body. That means it's supposed to be influencing and transforming it. The spirit is justified and it's made righteous, holy. It's the, it's the residence for the Holy Spirit. When you become born again, your spirit is made alive. Right? It, it, it's that spot that God ordained for himself to live in. When you accept him into that place, it's like, woo! It's like the light comes on in the home. Right? Then the soul houses the mind, will, and emotions. That's that part of us. That's that crappy part of us. Everybody say crappy. It's true. Let's own that. That's the place where our mind, will, and emotions are so distorted from our experiences, what we've been born into. And, and it do, it's a place where we don't often feel good about ourselves. But that's the place that God wants to bring sanctification through. That's where we allow the Spirit to permeate. It's like radioactivity, just coming out of your spirit through the soul, Cleansing it, sanctifying it, redeeming it, bringing back life and truth to those dead and corrupt places. Our body, you know, we, we, God wants us to be in good health, but our, our glorified bodies is, will happen when we see Jesus, right? If we do the natural things like eating right, exercising, keeping our stress down, 
uh, walking in good relationship with each other because science is showing now that lack of good relating causes a whole bunch of sicknesses in our bodies. Now, see, see where I don't, I'm not afraid of, the, of, 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 of science. I get, oh God, now it makes sense. When you say, if we have ought against each other, make it right. And don't come to the table of the Lord and think that a sip of, of wine is going to cover it up. He says, before you even come to the table, go make it right. Learn to rightly relate if you want to walk in godly order and truth and prosperity and healing in your life. I'm speaking the truth, church. All right, believe what God is saying about you. Now, there's a whole bunch of people, for whatever reason, they want to walk out their Christianity from a fear-based place. I'm not one of those people. I'm faith. I'm, I'm a faith person. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please him. So when we start confessing the truth about what God is saying, there's a whole bunch of people saying that's all, that's just po a positive thinking. Now that's stinking thinking. If you think that, that's just stinking thinking. Because if it's all about positive thinking and you don't, wanna, you don't want to uh, uh, confess positive thoughts, then go ahead and be miserable. I'm okay with that too. I'm not going to fight you to bring life to you. I'm going to speak it. It's your choice to take it. All right? So it's not the power of positive thinking. It's the power of truth believing. As a man thinks, so is he. If you're not believing truth, you're going to be believing the lie. This is the antidote against faulty, carnal, self-defeating, and self-deprecating thoughts, which results in a, 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 a distorted self-concept. Now, remember we talked about how we, we're people that are led by our feelings? Okay, I want you to remember this formula. Fact, faith, feeling. Say that with me. Fact, faith, feeling. That's how God wants us to live our lives. When we talk about fact, we're talking about the truth of God's word. It's undisputable. It is the truth. It trumps everything. It trumps opinions. It, it, it trumps philosophies. It trumps theories. It, it trumps you listening to a man and you think he's a great teacher. It trumps that too. God's word trumps everything. So we are to walk by fact we got to marry it with faith, and it's going to produce that feeling and that truth of righteousness in us, right? If you are led by your feeling, church, you're going to always land up in the ditch. Say always. always. So let's say this together. Feeling. 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 feeling equal. Equal. Ditch. Thank you. We are to, you see, see, feeling produces faith, doubt, instability, and results in defeat and confusion. Now, I'm going to pray for a little bit of endurance here. I can see some of you are like an information overload, and, and I'm just going to ask God to give us endurance. Because I believe that the enemy doesn't want you to hear this. He wants to keep you stuck. 20 years of knowing him and not walking in freedom. 10 years of knowing him and not walking in freedom. Five years of knowing him and not walking in freedom. You have to speak to your body and say, perk up and listen up to truth. Yep. David says that. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your trust in God. Stop whining. Stop looking down. Stop being self-pitying. And put your trust in God. Amen. Some of the times, you have to tell your body to respond to life. Oh, boy. As believers, we are not trying to become saints. We are saints who are becoming like Christ. This is powerful. This is who you are. You are a saint, and you're becoming like Christ. Takes the striving out of the way you live. Ezekiel talks about him giving us a new heart, putting a new heart in us. Ephesians says, throw off that sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupt. You can come from the best family system, and it can be corrupt. And I can tell you that from my own experience. I had the most amazing father. And you know, I only realized that after my dad died was the first time I could call God my father. 
It was him being so good was actually a barrier to me calling God my father. I would talk to, uh, about God in a very abstract way, or God is good, but I could never say my father. So my own dad was a barrier to me seeing God as my father, as Abba. And he teaches us that we pray this, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. All right. I want to end with this. Well, two more slides. But this one, this is where identity and faith equals destiny. We know the story of Moses. How many of you know the story of Moses? God's called him to, to deliver the Israelites. And he commits murder and goes and uh, um, he hides, actually. And then, but before he even hides, his destiny was kind of taken hostage in a sense, but also preserved because Pharaoh's daughter finds him floating down the river and takes him to a home. His mother was trying to save his life, put him in a basket. Pharaoh's daughter takes him. Now, here, here's Moses. He has everything going for him. He's the Pharaoh's daughter, uh, son of a Pharaoh's daughter. He's got provisions galore. He's got all types of servants. But there was something about destiny that wouldn't release from him. There was something about knowing who he was called and what he was called to do. Knowing who called him and what he was called to do. And it says that by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. Wow. Now you come from very, I'm not saying that, I, I've got issues in my family too. But I'm saying we come from family systems where we think I am John and Sue's daughter. And because I'm John and Sue's daughter, there's depression in our family line and we're all depressed and we all have issues with addiction and we all have uh, uh, immoral activity in our lives and we all have unhealthy relationships. At some point, church, you have to choose to refuse to be a son of John and Sue. At some point, you, decide, you have to decide to be that adopted son and daughter, that son and daughter of the Most High God who calls you a royal priesthood and a holy nation. At some point, you have to choose to disengage from every corrupt connection to your life so you can engage with your destiny. Our next fella there is Gideon. God calls him to deliver Israel. You know what, what Gideon says to God after he's saying, make the fleece wet and keep the ground around it dry to, so that I know you've called me to do this? God does that. Then he says, okay, make the fleece dry and make the ground around it wet. And God does that. And Gideon, Gideon says to him, well, you know, oh Lord, I don't fucking do this. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be you, and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. How powerful is this? The Midianites were, were the enemy. They were stealing Israel's produce. Every time they harvest, they... they, they sowed, they would come and steal. They were taking away all of Israel's inheritance. And God says, okay, enough with this, Gideon. How about you and I go to do some work? And Gideon says, I'm too small. I'm insignificant. I'm timid. I'm not sure if I can do this. I know some of you think that about yourselves. I can't do this. God, you want me to go talk to my name? I can't do that. Okay, 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 okay. Give me a sign. Then God gives you a sign. Then you go, I'm not sure that was you, God. Can you give me one more sign? And you go, I know, I know that was you, God. But you know, I've got three appointments in town this week. And then tomorrow I've got something else going. And, uh, you know, really, I don't think I can do this. Maybe you should send someone else. God says, I am with you. Now, you either believe God is with you or you don't. You'll defeat him as one man. Whatever you're facing, you choose. 
You choose this moment if you're going to keep using excuses or you're going to step over into the truth of who you are in him. All right, Jeremiah, young prophet, he's telling God, I can't go. I'm too young. I don't even know how to put words together, really. And he says to him, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were sanctified, I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Now, I put other people down there, Mary. God comes to her, and, and the angel comes to her, and he says, I want you to carry the Messiah. And they go, how can this be? I don't even know a man. And then she goes, but I'm bitter. Don't you know I'm bitter? Mary actually means Mara, means I'm bitter. And then she goes, but nevertheless, see, identity plus faith, nevertheless, be it unto me according to your will. And then suddenly, she's carrying the seed of heaven in her. Powerful. Look at Peter. Peter says, I can't build your church. I'm so unstable. I, I even denied you three times as you predicted. And yes, Peter's, and, and then Jesus says to him, no, Peter, are you the rock? Peter, who do you say I am? You are the Christ. And he says, upon that revelation, the fact that you see me as Christ, the son of the living God, you see me as God. He says, upon that revelation, I'm going to build my church. Paul, we all know that, killing the Jews. I mean, there's hundreds of examples in the Bible. The minute they realized who they were and connected with faith, yeah? Faith, it's very important to mix us with faith that they begin to walk in their destiny. <sighs> now, how do you respond when your identity is questioned? So we know that Jesus is being led by the wilderness. He's led into the spirit, in the, by the Spirit into the wilderness. 40 days and 40 nights. How many of you tried for, uh, fasting for 40 days? How many of you start, tried fasting for one day? Two days? You know you get pretty weak and irritable, right? You're detoxing from a lot of stuff, sugars and caffeine and all kinds of stuff. And here he is. He's being tempted. And, he's, and, and the enemy's plan, look at what the enemy's plan was. The enemy's plan was to get a premature manifestation of his destiny. A premature manifestation of his destiny. This wasn't the time for him to show that. The time for Jesus to show he, who he was was on the cross. And so here he is. He says, command these stones to be made to bread if you be the son of God. So I want you to now realize that this is how God wants us to respond. Every time people question you, every time they accuse you, every, they, every time they say all manner of evil against you, Jesus had nothing to prove. He stood in his identity and he responded with the word of God. He reminded the enemy what God says about him. And what did, what did he say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I can do a temporary uh, a miracle right now. We'll have bread to eat now, but that's not what God's will is. God's will is for ongoing revelation and truth to keep coming. And for that to happen, I have to go to the cross. And I have to go to the cross, and I have become that broken bread. That when I am now eaten, truth comes, life comes, hope comes, healing comes, peace comes, restoration comes, courage comes, confidence comes. So as we come to the table of the Lord this morning, I'm, I'm, my hope, my, my sincere hope for us is we come to it not as a ritual this morning, but we come to it intentional. We partake of this truth that truly I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm accepted in the beloved. 
I once separated, but now I'm drawn near. I was once alienated from him. I was once fatherless, but now I'm adopted and given the same value as Jesus before the Father. Wow! The Bible says we are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. There's no distinction. Jesus is our elder brother. And we're there, and we, we have the same rights and privileges and access to all of this wonderful riches that God has for us. So when I come here, I'm not sad. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for freedom. I'm thankful for sonship. I'm thankful for, for hope. I'm thankful for courage. I'm thankful for my, being mighty in him. I'm thanking that I'm no longer defeated. I know that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. That's what the Bible says about us. And so as I partake, there's an intentionality. God, I want the truth of your kingdom integrated in my life in a way I've not known before. Because what's, what I've been believing is not quite working for me. I'm not experiencing that power that, that, that enforcement, that enmeshment of the kingdom in me. And today, I want that. So as we